On Wednesday night, Michigan's legislature made some big decisions about access to abortion care in the state. This bill package was designed to widen access by stripping laws that advocates say limit how and when procedural abortions can be performed. Most times when someone intentionally ends a pregnancy in Michigan, it's by a medication abortion. Today we're talking about what was passed, what wasn't, and what this means for abortion care here in Michigan. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Michigan Radio's health reporter Kate Wells and Rick Pluta, capital correspondent for the Michigan Public Radio Network, were following the story this week. And after a busy couple of days, they are both here. Rick, Kate, hi. Hey, April. So bills actually did pass. Not the entire package, but bills did pass. Kate, looking over all the reactions, especially among uh, reproductive rights supporters, A lot of strong feelings. Why were abortion access supporters disappointed? Yeah, I mean, I think you said it right, that that, that disappointment is this feeling that you're seeing across the board among abortion providers and amongst abortion supporters because two of the things that they wanted most in this bill package got cut, ended up not being part of what was ultimately passed. One of those is Medicaid coverage for abortion, and the other one is removing the state's 24-hour mandatory waiting period for abortion. Those are two things that have the most immediate impact on patients themselves. Here's what I mean. The 24-hour mandatory waiting period. It sounds simple, but in practice, what it means is if you want to get an abortion, you need to go online to a state website. You need to read information about parenting and about fetal development, and you need to click on a secondary form at the exact right time because a timestamp is going to be generated when you click that. It needs to be at least 24 hours down to the minute, but no more than two weeks before your appointment begins. And then you need to print that form out. And if you don't, say, have access to a printer for whatever reason, you didn't know about it, if you don't have a computer, whatever reason, if you don't bring that signed, printed, correctly timestamp form to your appointment, your appointment can't proceed. And every day, abortion providers say that they have to turn people away because of that. One of them, I talked to Dr. Hallie Christman. She's an OBG. And she says, you know, this happens almost every day. And so I have an example from from just this week of a patient who presented to clinic the first time from out of state, did not know about the 24-hour consent, was given a copy of the 24-hour consent packet and information, rescheduled to return to clinic, then had her belongings stolen including the copy of the 24-hour consent, returned to her appointment, did not have the 24-hour consent in hand, and got rescheduled for a third time. Wow. So just to be clear, that is still part of state policy as of today because it didn't pass. Rick Pluta, Democrats control the Michigan House, the Michigan Senate, and the governor's office. One would think, in theory, that abortion access uh, bills like this might have been fait accompli. Where did the fault lines open up? Yeah, you know, there, there's general support for abortion access, but there are different laws and rules that deal with different uh, procedures, like, you know, the one that uh, Kate was just talking about. And then if you look at the legislature, it's it's a numbers game. The Democrats' House majority is very slim. It's 56 to 54. Um, one Democrat is publicly not on board, and that makes it at best for Democratic leaders a tie vote. That Democrat is Detroit Rep. 
Representative Karen Witsit. Let's take a listen, actually. We have a recording of Karen Witsit talking about her feelings about this package of bills. What is an additional 24 hours to wait to be able to have a termination? If we want to talk about the paperwork and people not being able to have access to a printer or forgetting the paperwork at home, okay, well, let's bring this into 2023. How about DocuSign? But I still do not think that 24 hours of a pause to make sure you're making the right decision is too much to ask. So Democratic leaders had to scale back their ambitions uh, and and drop some of these things that Kate was just talking about from the agenda. But in particular, um, it was reversing the 24-hour waiting period and repealing the ban on Medicaid funding for abortion. Kate Wells, can we just talk for a minute about specifically what did pass late last night and how that's going to affect access? Like, what's actually changing here? Yeah, there were some major changes that happened last night. One of them, maybe the biggest one, repeals a law that was on the books that requires clinics that do more than 120 procedural abortions a year to be licensed as surgery centers. Here's why that matters. If you have to be licensed as a surgery center in Michigan, there is a long list of requirements that come with it, including the room size or what the door width opening has to be or how many handrails you need to have on a ramp. And abortion advocates have said, look, these are intentional. These are meant to make it hard for abortion clinics to exist or to open new ones. They say this creates abortion deserts in Michigan where you just don't have access to procedural abortions. But abortion opponents have argued that these restrictions were on the books because they were vital to making sure that patients got safe care, that there weren't sketchy clinics, that the state had active oversight. I think it's, though, important to look at what the data tells us. And that is that it tells us that abortion is very safe, that it has fewer complications than when you get a wisdom tooth removed. And abortion advocates also point out that there is still a way for states to give oversight to abortion clinics. It'll just look different. It'll be through the medical licensing board. They can investigate any complaints that come up into doctors. Kate, the provision that Rick mentioned a moment ago that would have allowed the state to spend Medicaid dollars on abortion care, with that cut out of the bill package, it means that that ban is still in place. Uh, that the state will not be able to reimburse providers with Medicaid money. What does that mean for patients? Yeah, so I think one thing to note is that abortions are expensive. Your abortions can start around $500 to $700, but they can easily be more than $1,000 depending on the situation. And abortion advocates are saying that by keeping this ban on Medicaid coverage, you essentially create two levels of access. You have one level of access for people who can afford private insurance and have some extra cash to spend. And then you have a different level of access for people who are low income and are on Medicaid and still will not be able to get that covered by their insurance. We need to take a break. More in just a minute. Let's talk about uh, this particular issue that you've been covering, Rick, for a very long time now. I mean, a lot of these laws we've been talking about were things that Republicans put in place when they were in charge of the legislature. These are medical decisions. Is there anything, Rick, that you have noticed over the years about the extent to which lawmakers have been comfortable and willing to get into so many specific details around what is, at the end of the day, a medical procedure? Well, I mean, during the Roe era, um, that the 
anti-abortion movement, the anti-abortion rights movement, that because abortion rights were broadly protected, that they were nibbling around the edges, seeing where they could place restrictions under the Roe construction. And so that's how these things got put into state law one at a time, either through legislative action and the big political power that um, the anti-abortion rights movement uh, held, their ability to uh, push campaigns, do ballot drives, and uh, things like that. And so they were always looking for ways to sort of put in things that fit in under Roe, but that still restricted abortion rights. I was just kind of like, why are lawmakers even voting on these things? I mean, didn't we just vote on the statewide proposal that put reproductive rights in the state constitution? Um, Yeah, we did. Um, But you know, there's an amendment in the Constitution, but that says that reproductive freedom is protected, and it sets some broad parameters, but the specific effect of a lot of this now has to be enshrined in state law. And if the legislature doesn't do that and send it to the governor's desk, it will be up to courts to hash it out. There will have to be lawsuits. And that's what providers are concerned about. There's also something else worth mentioning. Amendments to the state constitution are voter approved. If a campaign can get a question on the ballot, well, the future of the reproductive rights amendment is not guaranteed. So repealing rules and restrictions in state law helps guard against that. Hmm. Kate Wells, with the parts of the bills that abortions, abortion proponents wanted – that really a lot of Democrats in Lansing wanted, changing the process of how people access abortions. I mean, is this kind of the end of the road for for what the initial plan looked like? Probably not. I mean, I think Rick just said it best that then this gets punted essentially to the courts. There is the possibility that these providers, that a patient, that Planned Parenthood of Michigan, who we've seen file a lot of lawsuits in the last couple of years, that they could make the argument, look, we think these restrictions on Medicaid, this 24-hour mandatory waiting period, we think these are unconstitutional now that there's Prop 3. And that is the argument you start to see Planned Parenthood of Michigan start making. Ashley Fennessy is their chief advocacy officer. Planned Parenthood believes that these restrictions are unconstitutional and is exploring, you know, every tool in our toolbox to to remove those barriers to care. It may require us expanding the majority and it may uh, require Planned Parenthood and our coalition partners to to really uh, dump out our whole toolbox and keep up that fight. But that's exactly what we're going to do. I mean, it sounds like she's not ruling out lawyering up. I don't Certainly. think anybody is. Yeah, that's right. And and just because these bills stalled doesn't mean that this is over, that, you know, there these bills are still before the legislature, that they can be taken up at any time and uh, voted on. And that's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Baer. You can find full Stateside episodes when you're ready for more updates from the week at michiganradio.org. Today's podcast was produced by Rachel Ishikawa, our podcast editor. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kabansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our intern is Olivia Meradian. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music for this podcast comes from Blue Dot Sessions and from Audio Network. Thank you for listening. We hope you have a good weekend. See you next week. 